John, you were, again, muffled. I don't know what was going on. You also, John, you look Hispanic. (laughs) No filter. All right, so welcome back, everyone, to our homely little podcast here, coming from a Zoom meeting uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, I am John. Right below me is Wade. Wade, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm wonderful. He is wonderful. Right below him on my screen, anyway, is Bradley. Brad, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. How you doing, man? I am A-OK, and it's going to be all right. Just you wait and see. And then right above me on my screen is Tom. Tom. How long have you been waiting to use that? (laughs) I use it every time somebody asks me. Okay. It's it's my only go-to. Yeah, and I, I am here, here at Asbury. I actually think Tom to is about three or four seconds behind us. That's what I've gathered as we've kind of talked a little bit. I am? I think so. Watch this. One. <laughs> How awkward we had to there for about three seconds. It's okay. <laughs> I'll make sure to, uh, uh, Tom to, to uh, come Is in. your dial-up working okay? <laughs> <laughs> what were you talking about AOL a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling in. That disc, you know. <laughs> I, I'm ca- calling in from Bolivia. Okay. <laughs> You're a one-trick pony. <laughs> All right, so uh, guys, let's do a little game called fill in the blank. I have a couple news stories here, and I'll read the headline for you, and you fill in the blank. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, man fakes his own kidnapping to get out of blank. Housework. Housework, Wade says. Jury duty. Dishwashing. Jury duty and dishwashing. Uh, Which is housework. Kind of close. Man fakes his own kidnapping to get out of work. A 19-year-old. Would you expect a 19-year-old or maybe a 40-something-year-old to do something this uh, crazy? 19, yeah. Uh, A man in Arizona went to extreme lengths in order to get some time off from his job. Police in the city of Coolidge have said that he faked his own kidnapping. Kidnapping, They found him with his hands tied behind his back and a bandana stuffed in his mouth on February 10th. Um, And if you look at the picture, I mean, he's all dirty. His arms look scraped up and he looks like he's in peril, almost in a half fetal position. This guy went to great lengths. To get out of work uh no no indication of where he works uh, i was just gonna ask what how bad was work how bad was work <laughs> where he where he used to, where he used to work yeah really <laughs> absolutely had to be talked about yeah. <laughs> that's right all right let's continue here <clears throat> all right that isn't a sponsor are they uh no not for us uh, we're in talks though we're in talks. not yet i was gonna say yeah yeah uh, let's see. Ohio man continues his Lent tradition of blank only diet. Banana. Vegetable, vegetables only. Banana. Vegetables. Beets. How about beer only? Beer only? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, All right. This man is, he is from Ohio. And uh, he says he just wants to take it back to when the old monks used to do this back in the 1600s. So um, 
If you still haven't started your Lent practice of fasting, whatever, or some kind of practice, maybe that's an idea for you. I don't know. Now, it's not, it, it, the title is misleading. It's not beer. I want to include some ale in there to get some nutrients. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he does include uh, water, black coffee, and green tea, but that's it. So it's not quite beer only, but he probably drinks a lot more beer than he does water, black coffee, and green tea. I'm hoping he don't mix them all together. That, that'd be a <laughs> weird concoction. Well, isn't it about yeah. suffering? Isn't that what we're trying to remember during Lent as well? You know? Um. Yeah. <laughs> all right, here's another one. <clears throat> Teens Civil War reenacting blank found in Alabama. What? A teens Civil War reenacting blank found in Alabama. Reenacting rifle? Rifle? That's a good, good guess. I was going to say encampment or something. I, I don't know. Wade? I have no idea. <laughs> a teens Civil War reenacting chicken found in Alabama. <laughs> Was he north or south? I got to know. I got to know. Here's all I'll tell you. A they found it in Alabama? I mean, like, that seems like it would be something you would normally see. <laughs> oh, man. Here's all I'll tell you. The first step <laughs> A Mississippi teen who lost his Civil War reenacting pet chicken, Peep, outside of a cracker barrel in Alabama was reunited with the bird courtesy of a farmer was it breaded and fried when they were reunited? <laughs> it was on the wall at the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> was it that said, man, eating that Cracker Barrel is like, you know, having a luncheon at a garage sale. <laughs> Where they only serve cold food. Right. Oh, yes, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't like Cracker Barrel all that. I've much. never gotten a hot dish at Cracker Barrel. It's always been like cold eggs and congealed biscuits and gravy. <laughs> I mean, it's ever been horrible, but I just never like, okay, anyway. All right, final one, final one. So we busted never did say top. whether or not he was north or south. I want to know if the chicken doing <laughs> well, the north or the south. I just, want, I just want you all to note that the <laughs> fact that we will not be sponsored by Cracker Barrel, I was working on a deal with them, and you guys just blew it. Oh, yeah, well. you, guys, you guys have really thrown Taco Bell and Cracker Barrel under the bus this morning. <laughs> Higher, <laughs> man. We're going for Mentos. Mentos. Mm, Mentos. And now, Diet Coke. Sorry, Brett. I cannot find out. I cannot ascertain from this uh, particular source which side. Journalism is terrible these days. Journalism. I know. Like, <laughs> God, don't what, tell where, when, why, how. Come on. It's not that hard. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, okay. He found his chicken. His chicken has been reunited. Very good. All right. Last one. Um, Mars, uh, this isn't really a fun one to do it with. It's just one of the stories I wanted to talk about. But anyway, uh, Mars rovers, giant blank carried secret message. Well, rover's dog. It's a dog. It's a dog. It's a parachute. It's not funny. I'm telling you, it's just the parachute that when it lands down, it contained a secret message look out below what yeah. <laughs> it was encoded uh, it was uh, whoever came up with this loves puzzles and uh, the phrase or the the motivational secret was 
dare mighty things, which seems to be a mantra at the um, company who's getting every who got everything ready, working with um, the Mars rover thing. Have you seen? Yeah. Okay. It's dare mighty things. Guys, dare mighty things. Golly, that, uh, that, not everything has to be like funny and whatever. It's, it's inspiration, guys. Are, are they in trying to inspire the rover itself or or what? I, I'm I, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Himself or is motivational he, things, you know? Or is he making himself? making sure those Martians learn English before we get there? <laughs> That's right. That's right. They're dropping leaflets of, of flyers of English. You or know, if some grammar. other planet lands a, a, a spacecraft there, they'll find it and they'll go, dare mighty things. Duh. We're just trying to follow the, the, the orders here. Very good. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> all right, guys. Uh, we are all pastors of what we call local churches. That's a church that's to a community, right? And what's the line? Do you guys have that memorized? I think from the discipline, the book of discipline that says something to the effect that the local church is the, uh, I don't know, I forget what it says, but like it's the best way to <laughs> ministry or something. Are you asking us because you can't remember or what? Yes. Well, I'm going to say now we're still guessing, just like before with the, uh, you know, the, the news. It's like, oh, no. Let me go get this a minute. Let me get up chainsaw. The, the local church is the chainsaw. No, that's not it either. Okay. Well, I don't know. Have you been to some churches, bro? <laughs> alligator pit no uh, no no no, no, no. Uh, rick, rick warren says that the local church is the hope of the world hope of the world and our discipline says something not so you know inspirationally i thought jesus was the hope of the world but it's the local church apparently well it's you know kind of i'm trying to find it where the local church is the mission center yeah and, and it kind of brings all that together right and yeah. talks about how it's great in, in other words the local church is important, right? Mm -hmm. To the ministry of Jesus, to the kingdom of God, because that's where the people of God come together. We worship together. We pray all these kinds of things. And we live out this faith together, presumably. Mm -hmm. So I thought it'd be great to have a conversation today between uh, four people who have truly given their lives to the local church uh, in, in some regard. You got more people coming or what? <laughs> oh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Anything you want to tell us, Brad? Uh, <laughs> I'm leaving. I don't know, man. Yeah, I was thinking, are you on the retirement list too? <laughs> Probably. You know, yeah. fourth retirement. Well, but I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, just, <laughs> sorry, John. What makes a good local church? Like, so if 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 the local church is maybe not quite the hope of the world, that's that's Jesus. Um, role but if the local church has something great to be within the context of the hope of the world yeah. what makes the local church good or what makes a local church good what makes a local church be everything that god desires and even planned for it to be let's let's have a little conversation with the hopes that maybe we we help each other uh in in how we you know, plan ministry, but uh, as far as leaders, but also just, you know, maybe the everyday person who sits in the pews to take uh, greater consideration about what it means to be a part of a, of a church, to go and to 
sit in those pews and to worship or whatever else. So uh, you guys can take it away. I don't have any preference who goes first, but as long as Wade doesn't go last, I don't want to hurt Wade's feelings. But uh, come on, hey, man. Hey, think uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, so moving on into the uh, into the comment of, of the local church is the hope of the world, and and uh, Jesus is the hope of the world. I, you know, I just I think that, you know the closer that we uh, live out our love for Jesus Christ, the the more we embody uh, that hope, and so it's kind of like. You know, we are the physical presence uh, of uh, of uh, the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ, and and so, you know, if you don't know Jesus and you and and you uh, experience a local congregation that is living out those principles, hopefully, uh, by the time you know, by the time you've spent a little time within a local congregation, you understand. You know, we are we are. Um, the reflection of uh, the person we say that we follow, and that you know, at this point, with a lot of warts, uh, a lot of uh, uh, we're growing into it. So that's why when you know, the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. It's kind of like it should be as as straightforward as that. I think the statement that you're referring to in the discipline. If I, if I remember it, and I don't remember it precisely, but it's real close to this, is that the mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And the local church is the perfect venue for that to happen. Mm, okay, maybe that's it. Yeah. Or, yeah, that's perfect it. is probably in, incorrect, but, but it is the venue where that can take place. So, so if our, a good local church, what's that? Almost a perfect venue, maybe? An almost perfect venue, absolutely. And um, I, I think the local church is, what makes a good local church is one that keeps that in mind, that the mission is about making disciples of Jesus Christ. Exactly what Tom said, you know, it's about getting people to, to come to know Christ and have a good relationship with him. Um, and and a, a living relationship with, with salvation and, and striving toward that, that perfection of grace and sanctification and stuff and entire sanctification. You can go all the way with this, but, but I think the local church is the, is the uh, venue where that can truly offer, you know, uh, uh, come to fruition. And that's what I would hope to see is that the local church made up of imperfect people working together with the love of Jesus Christ to encourage one another to grow in our faith to start yeah i think uh and i think what you guys have already touched on is um there's a difference between good and perfect oh yeah and, and the question was what makes a good uh local church and uh and i think um when i think about that uh, brad one of the first things i think about is we are imperfect people mm -hmm. and we are here to serve imperfect people uh, because we love a perfect God. Absolutely. And, uh, and a perfect love, God loves us. Yeah. And so, you know, what does it look like to, to love the people in our, in our, I mean, a local church sort of says that you're in a particular place. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I guess we get to sort of, in a way, define what that place is. But, um, you know, the biggest thing is, for me, I think, is we got to address what's going on around us. Um, with the love of Christ first. That doesn't mean we can't affect other parts of the world, but but we really got to be effective in our 
in our neighborhood. Yeah. And I think it's a relational church too. Okay. Well, thanks for saying that because way kind of going where you're, where I think you were going kind of, so far it's kind of, it's kind of the theory stuff, like, right. You know, a church is a loving church and you know, it's all these, it's imperfect people serving imperfect. Yeah. And all that, that's, that's all kind of theoretical. Right. And so what do we do? Uh, what are the things we do to sort of put teeth on that to be the good church that God wants us to be for our neighborhoods, for the people who are part of the church, for the world? You know, our, again, United Methodist tradition, uh, I don't know whether it's too bold or bold enough. We say, you know, transformation of the world. Um, how do, what do we do? How do we put teeth on that in a local church to make it good enough to live out that mission? What, what do we do? You know, well, I was thinking one of the things that um, I, I, crises almost always uh, reveal uh, the depth of our love for one another. Uh, and, uh, and as a pastor who's about to retire and, you know, 30, Five thirty-eight. Kind of lost count as to how long uh, you know I've, I've had carried the title United Methodist Elder. But you know, uh, one of the things that has been consistent, no matter where I've been, and I and I I have been literally all over the world. Uh, you know, uh, Northwest Wisconsin, South uh, Texas, uh, Russia, and 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 parts in between. But um, but there's a moment when someone. Experiences loss, and uh, and and the and the church responds by side. Um, lost um, a church and church. Uh, you know, uh, he passes on, and she she remains. And one of the consistent things that that happens during that time. Is it's in response with, I didn't know how much other people cared about me, and and they've experienced that that simple uh, reaching out. Maybe it's a casserole, maybe it's a, a card, uh, a telephone line, a telephone call, um, an arm around the the shoulder, and and you know um, people who have gone through very very difficult times. Uh, within context of a congregation, they have those relationships. Uh, almost inevitably, at, uh, ask the question or make the statement, "I don't know what I would have done without the church." Or they say, "I don't know how people, uh, you know, experience what I've experienced without God and without the church." Exactly. Yeah, those in need, right? That's great. Yeah. Is this the dramatic exit? Yeah, I got to I got to take this. I'm sorry, guys. Peace in the streets. So, Brad, what what else? What is that? Uh, I mean, what else? How else does that look like? Well, I think I think you're right. Exactly uh, along all those lines, especially in situations like that. You know, there's a. I, I think a church that's healthy, and maybe that's a better term than good, um, because healthy churches seem to exude. Um, an, an, an atmosphere of relational uh, priorities that we care more about one another and those around us 
than we do about things, you know, that, than we do about stuff. Um, I know churches get in trouble when they start fighting over stuff, like what color the new hymnals are going to be or, or the new carpet or, you know, that, that that's enough to really just destroy a church uh, and tear it up inside out because we, we've lost our focus of what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about relationships. Um, and that's, you know, when, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of all, he gave two, not one, but two, and he, and he did them in order. And the first one was to love God with all your being. And, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And emphasizing that word love means that we, we are relational. And so that what hurts you should hurt me. What brings you joy should bring me joy. And what hurts me should have an effect upon you that you would feel that same pain that that's what relationships mean and healthy churches that do that successfully that do that continually even in the midst of pandemics and and <clears throat> freak ice storms and on and on and on will do that also when someone goes into the hospital and comes out and needs help they'll bring them meals or, or someone loses a loved one and and they'll take care of them in such a way that they'll take care of the things that are the little things that can become overwhelming when you're in such a, a state of grief. So I think there's, there's, there's symptoms and there's signs. The, the symptoms of, of what an unhealthy church is, is the ones that don't take care of each other. And the signs of a healthy church are the ones that really put relationships first. You yeah. Say again? Yeah. And those churches are out there. I mean, that sounds oh, like yeah. man, who would ever be like, no, but that's, I mean, like you said, some churches are just so hyper-focused on other things. You know, we, right. yesterday I used the sermon text from, the, from Matthew 8, you know, Jesus rebukes Peter, mm -hmm. tells Peter, you have your minds not on divine things, but on human things. And right. I think a lot of churches work that way, right? They do. And so, you know, um, you know caring for whoever's here is a divine thing. Right. Um, one of the things I would add is uh, a good church, healthy church, um, recognizes when they're not doing that as well. Um, yeah. you know, when I have these conversations uh, at every church I've been at, no one ever says, Oh, we don't, we love each other. We, we do. We're a friendly church. If I know mm -hmm. you. And you know, what about the people that come to, to come into the church that we don't know? Have we, you know, really, is it a part of who we are to make sure that, um, we get to know them that so that we can care for them so that we can do these things instead of just saying, Oh, who is that? Who's that new person? I don't, I don't even know their name. Okay. How are yeah. you today? Right. Instead of you know, right. opening up that circle of, of care, Tom, look like you wanted to say something. Uh, I, well, kind of along the line of what you're saying is that, um, what health family, you know, healthy families kind of, uh, you know, they, they include or they expand and a healthy you know ways but ways is that they recognize and is you know it's a very scriptural uh, uh, practice is that practice of being hospitable uh, toward as much mock the the anger of the uh, Old Testament. If you you know read the read the scriptures, God is cons uh, constantly reminding the people to welcome her and the immigrant and mm -hmm. all of it. 
The other aspect, you know, we've talked a lot about people coming alongside during difficult moments and grief and all of that. But a healthy act is, is uh, we rejoice, we celebrate uh, the accomplishments of others. And, and, and uh, you know, it's always, it's always nice when somebody's surprised it's like I didn't. I didn't even know you knew uh, that, that. You know, that I hit a home run in in little league, you know, or whatever it is. But those that that willingness to celebrate, uh, as well as to commiserate, uh, in, in uh, and and to be genuinely, authentically, you know, is it's not something that I have to do. It's just a part of our DNA. Is, is we do this because this is who we are. This is right. who we are. Yeah. There's a church. I can't remember the name of the church uh, in Nashville that I can't wait to go back to. We went one Sunday and, you know, they did the whole visitors. If you're new here, stand up and introduce yourself. And nobody really likes to do that anymore. I don't think. And I, I wasn't all thrilled about it, but I did it because mm-hmm. I like to embarrass my kids. But, um, but I'll never forget. I have, that was the most welcoming church experience i have ever had because there was a time during the worship you know after that and you know you people came and you know they greeted you but as we were coming in before worship start people greeted me people said hello to us afterwards oh my gosh i mean we had conversations it was about where the best place to go for lunch that was not a committee thing right there was no person who sat on the committee of welcoming new people to make sure you say the right things make sure you you know, do whatever, get all their information. It was, that's who we are, right? Yeah. We're so glad you're here. And we're so glad that you were a part of our worship. We'd love for you to be a part of our family, right? I was listening to the uh, um, Bible Project podcast a few weeks ago, and they were talking about the family of God. And one of the things that he said relates to what Tom just said is that, you know, God always, there's a sense that God is always trying to show that he meant for his family to grow, to include everyone. And at every juncture, every, almost every juncture, you know, we have this tendency to kind of bring that in and to Mm -hmm. say, well, it's for this people, or it's for my people, or it's for certain groups of people, or it's for people who do this, or people who don't do this, say this, or don't, you know, if that's our tendency, but God's tendency is to open up the net. And so I, you know, hospitality, I think has to be a big part of what a good, a good, healthy church uh, practices learns to be and not just, oh, hey, hello, glad you're here. But, you know, this is who we are. Just, you know, you're going to get you're going to get surrounded by about a dozen people before you leave here today and not in any kind of creepy way. It's just we're just glad you're here and yeah. you know who you are, but we love God. God loves you. And that's enough for us. And um, uh, there's something to be learned by that. So we what do- else? What other important uh, practices or important um things to do or be uh, for a good healthy church yeah i want to share with you about uh something that i read years ago um in a book called making room and i wish i could give you the author's name and i could probably dig it up here um in a little while but the um uh um, the 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 context of it of the the whole hospitality thing is imagine that you are preparing dinner and your college-aged son or daughter brings home a special friend for Thanksgiving dinner. And you have to recognize that um, this is not just a visitor coming to your house. 
this is a guest in your home and the relationship between your child and the, your adult child and this person could be serious, could become serious. And the thing that you need to recognize is the fact that this is not just a visitor who you, you know, can't wait to see when they're going to leave uh, because the Cowboys are playing or whatever uh, Eagles or, you know, uh, but, but that they, <laughs> they could potentially become family. Right. When someone walks into your church, that's the, uh, that's the ultimate potential is that that person could become a part of this congregation's family. And when you begin thinking about visitors, not as visitors, but as guests or, or even potential family, there's a shift in your mindset of how you respond, you know? Um, and, and if you're expecting folks to come to be a part of your church, what does that look like? What does that expectation look like? It takes you a step further into you know, what, what would it mean for us to welcome guests in our home? Uh, oh, you put out the good towels, you know, you, you, you put out a new bar of soap on the sink, you know, in the, in the bathroom and, uh, you know, you make sure those things are done, but, but more than that, you are welcoming them into your home. There's a part of you that, that wants this to be a positive experience. Um, and, and, and that's something along the same lines of God's house. You know, what are we doing to welcome people into the family of faith in such a way that we recognize that they are potential family members? Sure. And, and that's a whole different mind shift. Um, you might call it an ethos change if you can even do such a thing. But, but I think that's a big part of what churches that are healthy um, are really doing or, or striving to do. And that radical hospitality, I think uh, Bishop Schnazy once wrote about, um, is, is taking that to that level of, it's part of who we all are, not just the, the evangelism committee or the welcoming committee or the fellowship committee or whatever committee it is in the church. It, 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 it exudes out in every person in the church and that we all have that responsibility. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the fellow who used to be in the North Texas conference um, who talked about the, the 510 rule. And that was for the first five minutes after worship, look around you within a 10 foot radius or a 10 foot circle, well, 10 foot radius, uh, and see if there's someone you don't know and go up and introduce yourself. And, and it's okay to say, you know, I'm really bad with names. Help me with your name, you know? Um, and, and, all of those are just the kinds of things that we begin to do and talk about as far as being hospitality uh, oriented and hospitality centered to welcome people to the faith. And that also goes back to what how Tom started uh, the whole conversation about, you know, if we're going to be Christ like we are mirroring Christ. Christ desires his family to grow. Right. Christ wants all his people to know this great love. And so um, we're supposed to mirror that. And, you know, if we're not, then we're not being faithful to our witness, to our calling right. to begin with. And so uh, I remember uh, when Bishop Snazy's book came out, uh, The Five Practices, however it was called, I, I think I was still, I don't remember where it was. I, somebody was a professor. I know he said, because um, one of the practices, like you said, Brad, is radical hospitality. Right. And uh, the professor's question is, well, what's wrong with hospitality? And part of his discussion was, you know, hospitality is so far removed from what we think is important that right. it has to be radical mm -hmm. for 
it to get attention. But if you go, you know, if you, you know, go to go to a Bedouin uh, family, they're going to take care of you and you're going to call it radical, but it's just going to be normal for them. That's who yep. they are. That's right. And how all of this is a, a window for us to be able to share the, the grace of God. Yeah. Um, radical sometimes to some churches means having fresh donuts. <laughs> That's right. Or sprinkles. Or sprinkles on them. Yeah. You know, but, urge for sprinkles because it's Easter weekend. Okay. But don't get too happy with them sprinkles. Right. Next week, it's back to normal. <laughs> it's a week old. Yeah. <laughs> So we've been the same churches, apparently. Right? <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Yep. And, yeah. you know, I also have to, uh, this sounds like, well, duh, obviously, but I don't know that it is too obvious. Um, it's, really, it's not a practice. I, I, it really isn't. And it needs to be. Well, and kind of springboarding though, hospitality aside, you know, we're the practice of our spiritual disciplines together, I think has to be vital to a congregation. Yeah. Yeah. Praying together, not just Sunday morning worship, but praying together, not just, Hey, I prayed yesterday. You prayed yesterday. Great. But we are praying together. We are worshiping together. We are fasting together. Or what was the guy? <laughs> we are uh, having a beer only uh, Lent yeah. together. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it together. Okay. Um, but only one, only one. That's right. Uh, but we're doing these things together because that's part of how God grows the church is how we are edified uh with one another and i don't i don't i mean we talk about prayer i think we talk about service and all that but i, don't, I wish we had a better understanding of doing that uh, together mm -hmm. and not just me and you and you go do your thing you find your little corner of interest and, and do that but this is this is something god wants us to do together all right uh, anything else any other teeth you would add to that uh conversation about what good or healthy churches do? I think churches. No, Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. I was going to say, no, that about wraps it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, now, now, Bradley, uh, ignore that previous uh, comment and go ahead. I think you just hit the nail on the head, though. Church is not something you go to. Church is who you are. Mm -hmm. Who you are. No, it's who we are. And, and church is how we live. You know, we, we, we are church. We are, you know, I mean, you want to get grammatical. We are the church, but we are church and that people find Christ through our lives. And that's the, the hope that, that we've had since Paul and, and the early church. So we are not the hope of the world, but we are God's gift to the world. Right. And we point to the hope of the world. There it is. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we learn to point to the hope of the world through everything we do. And we'll, we'll walk with you there. That's right. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. I, I, I never forget. There was a, a statement somebody made. I, maybe it was old Jack Heacock. Some of y'all remember Jack Heacock from years ago, mm -hmm. pastor in our conference. And, and Jack used to talk about, we have a problem with, with folks who, um, who, who, when they're asked, you know, where is the office? Where's the nursery? Where's the bathroom? They point, you know, and he says, we don't need pointers. We need escorts. You know, let me share with you. Let me show you yeah. and, and to walk with you on that. I, I, where's Jesus? Let me show you. Let's walk together. And that's that's Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus with those two guys. So let me explain it to you. This is how the scriptures come out. So that's what church is to me. That's what a healthy church. You know, it, 
Well, and, and it, it's kind of interesting as you as you talk about that. Uh, you know, I was a Walmart employee for a, a period of time, uh, and uh, and one of the first things that we learned was exactly that: is don't tell them where the combs are. Take them to the combs, and uh, and, and as I'm thinking about that, one of the things that happens is you begin to learn the whole store not just your section in my case it was lawn and gar garden uh and also seasonal so we had the you know i started during the christmas season and continued into the spring um but but you know if you apply that same kind of principle uh it is uh it, within the context of the church uh not just where the office where the bat, um, you know, uh, how, you know, how, how should I pray? Well, let me show you how to pray. And, and, you know, uh, how, how can I find that in the Bible? Well, let me show you how to find that in the Bible. And, you know, and you may start out, you know, uh, just a step, excuse me, a step or two ahead of the person who's asking the question, but you're growing to know you know, the fullness of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, not just my little niche. And, and, uh, and I, you know, I guard that little niche. I'm able to expand and to grow and help other people grow. Yeah. That's exactly. very incarnationally minded of you, Tom. Wow. Wow. There, there's a theological statement right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, uh, you know, all that, it all applies to whether you're talking about something that is, directly related to a local church and, you know, the family of people there, or whether that family takes uh, their attention to needs outside of the community uh, of, of the church themselves. And that's where, you know, community work comes in. That's where justice work com comes in. That's where all these outreach efforts, you know, stem from is that th it's still the same basic mm -hmm. understanding that we are, um, God, we are God's gift to the world. We're supposed to be anyway, that yeah. we are pointing to, we are pointing to the hope of the world. Uh, the world isn't going to uh, point itself there. It's the church's job. And that, that's kind of humbling, but it's also, it's a responsibility. And, you know, that's the one where I think preachers, we, we kind of get upset with our congregation sometimes because it's so, our tendency is to kind of say, no, this is our little place here. Right. We need to take care of it and, you know, what we want when it, we have to go the other way. It, right. Our place at all. It's this is God's church. This is God's business, and we have to get ourselves out of the way as much as we can. We're stewards, not owners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was uh, remembering not long ago. Uh, uh, Disney Institute is a uh, strange thing. Walt Disney World has a Disney Institute in Florida. They they teach management uh, and hospitality schools uh, skills there, and they talk about how they train their employees and. They don't even call them employees. They call them cast members, which is a whole different thing altogether. But, but one of the things that they said was that you can tell someone if you walk downtown Orlando and you ask someone where's the nearest ATM or, or gas station or whatever, uh, you can tell who used to work for or who still works for Disney by the way that they gesture in that, in that moment. And he says what they do is they, they do palm out, thumb down, all four fingers pointing. And they'll tell you it's three blocks down this way and on the right or, you know, but it's the same gesture. And this is, they studied this, that cultures across the world, because Disney is a, is an international destination cultures across the world. No one finds this gesture offensive. Hmm. 
Now, if you can imagine that somebody working at Disney would actually take that outside of the park and incorporate that into their normal everyday routine, isn't that what we're supposed to do too as the church? We take the gospel that we really love and we talk about and we preach and we study and we pray about and we, we share with one another in the church and we're not taking it out into the community, into the world. We're not really the church sent out. We're the church hunkered down. And we need to, we need to begin to remember that. That's exactly what you were saying, John. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So okay. Not the church hunkered down. Very good. Very good. Amen. All right, gentlemen, I think that's about it for our time. Um, Wade told us beforehand he had to leave early, so he didn't just bail on us if you're watching it and keeping score at home. So uh, uh, we hope all is well there. But thank you for those thoughts, gentlemen. I appreciate um, you thinking about that. I, You know, Tom, you kind of joke about, you know, Tom getting ready to retire and old man Tom, retirement. And Brad, how long has it been? Oh, gosh, too long. Yeah. Um, this is my 30th year of membership in South Texas. Wow. So, you know, at the same time, we need to thank God for that because, you know, there's, there's a blessing in all that, right. That uh, we commit to, that we see that we feel like God has shown us that the church is valuable and there is a treasure there that, that God has uh, ingrained in all of us that we need to, that we all need to commit uh, our lives to. For us, it happens to be professionally, but for everyone else, you know, it, it works itself out in other ways, and we need to thank God for all those ways. So I hope that whoever's listened today will appreciate uh, what you've had to say and how you've uh, been able to bring some of that, uh, oh, some of those decades of experience uh, in leading the congregations to to help inform what we want to do now and what we want to do next. And so anyway, so Tom, I appreciate it, man. Thanks, John. See, there's Good a to be here. Missed, missed you guys last week. We did. We missed you too. Brad, I appreciate the gift of your time as well. Thank you, Everyone sir. Everyone else, uh, thanks for tuning in. If there's ever anything you want us to talk about to try to find a Christ-like response to, let us know. You can give us a call, leave us a voicemail, leave us a message on Facebook or whatever else, text us or whatever. We'll, we'd love to be able to talk about that. So until next week, God be with you. Amen. Amen. Yeah.